All right, it gives me great pleasure to introduce Phil Sutton. I know that you, almost all of you know him, and it's, it's kind of interesting how I met him. I met him several years before I ever met him. Uh, the first time I met him is when Davis Ashley was going, man, there's this guy that came to Bozeman. He's like amazing. And not only is his amazing, his wife is amazing. And not only are they amazing, their kids are amazing too. I can't wait for you to meet him. And then a year goes by and Jerry goes, oh, you know, there's this guy in Bozeman and his name is Phil Sutton. And he's such an amazing guy and I can't wait for you to meet him. And then finally I get over to Bozeman and, and Jerry made sure that he roped both of us and brought us together at some truck stop cafe. I don't know where it was. Where was that? Belgrade. Bel okay, Belgrade. Belgrade. Okay, the Flying J. And so uh, uh, old Phil's an old Baptist guy like I once was and and then we started studying our Bible and came well, to I once was, too. You once were, too? Uh, yeah, once was. Yes, yes, yes. I hope I didn't misspeak on that one. So anyway, uh, I really appreciate him. From the very moment I met him, what a great guy. And, and character is awesome, but his, his understanding of God's word is, is awesomer. Anyway, it's, it's awesome, too. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's been such a pleasure to get to know him. And finally, to get to meet his wonderful, sweet wife. And of course, your kids have been just a great ambassadors for your family. And so deeply thankful for you. So much so, and your word. So let's give it up for Phil Sutton. I just can't tell you how thankful I am. I mean, just from the bottom of my heart that... Well, ago, Bill asked you to clap for the speakers before I spoke, because then you wouldn't have to have this little uh, dilemma inside whether or not you're going to clap or not for the speakers. So you got your clapping out. So I hope, I hope that I can live up to what everyone else has done thus far this week. It's been such an encouraging camp, and I hope that uh, that everybody here has been as encouraged as I have been. Just, uh, you know, the Lord gives us our, our brain, but he also gives us emotions. I don't like to run away from those emotions. Sometimes we, we I, I think we do a disservice to that. So I'm just so thankful for the, the many emotions that have even been stirred as I've listened to the messages this week. Uh, it really presses me forward, moves me on, and uh, so I'm just very thankful. So, uh, and plus, the sun is shining. I was, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Bill, you know, you're sending us off really, really well with this beautiful weather. Uh, you know, Oregon's the second time I've ever been here, and, and it's just really nice that I wasn't here the year that it snowed so much. But, you know, it's good to get out. If you're going to get out and you're going to be gone, it's good to be around God's people. You know, we come here to see these beautiful feet, don't we, of those who are doing the Lord's work. But it's really good to, 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 to learn the culture, to learn the area, and to enjoy the weather. So it's been, it's been a vacation as well as, as just a spiritual retreat as well. So thank you so much for that. Uh, I'm going to begin this morning with Genesis chapter 29. I'm going to read one verse, and brother, I appreciate your thoughts on having context. I am going to come back to that, okay? Uh, but I'm just going to read one verse for now. Genesis chapter 29 and verse 20. And after I read this verse, I'm going to ask uh, my brother, uh, Scott Schweitzer, if he'll come up here and, and pray for our lesson today. Uh, Genesis 29, 20. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel... And they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. Well, right, 
I got a scripture that I wanted to read. Oh, here we go. Let's pray. Uh, Father God in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for this great day. And Father, uh, appreciate uh, Phil Sutton, his love for the saints, his love for his family. And Father, just ask that you uh, bless his message this morning, that uh, the things that he uh, speaks will be the things uh, that you would want spoken, Heavenly Father, in regards to uh, your word and the perseverance of the saints and father uh we're so grateful uh for his example his uh steadfastness uh his faith in you father um for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope and heavenly father had uh, scriptures take perseverance uh but through that perseverance, we have encouragement. Through that encouragement, we have hope, Heavenly Father. And I know that's uh, what we've been learning. I'm thankful for the faithful saints here in Eugene, Heavenly Father, for their steadfastness and their unity, uh, their love for one another and their love for us. I'm thankful for everybody else who has traveled uh, from other places, Heavenly Father, that we can uh, all be part of your great uh, kingdom the kingdom which cannot be shaken or destroyed. Heavenly Father, help us to uh, have the love that you had for us, that you laid down your life for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for one another. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I really appreciate my brother Scott. He's been one of the our great friends uh, since we got to Bozeman. He's just such an encouragement. He's always traveling everywhere, encouraging other people, so I appreciate your prayer this morning. What in the world did I just read before he came up? That was not my assigned verse. You might understand, what, what does this have to do with perseverance? Just hang with me here just for a little while. Follow in the back of your mind, and we're going to come around to Genesis 29, 20 in just a moment. But neither, the next text I'm going to read is not my assigned text either. So just hang with me. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm just going to read one verse. I want to I want to get a principle here. First Peter chapter one, talking about the prophets and uh, the things that the Spirit of God told them about our coming redemption. In verse eleven, it says this: speaking to the prophets, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glory to follow. And I want to let you know that there's a recipe here that has to be. Uh, followed completely. And if you want glory, there's going to have to be suffering. There's going to be suffering that leads to glory. And that was true for Jesus, and it's true for you. If Jesus had to learn uh, obedience through suffering, you think we're going to get out of it? You think somehow or another we're going we're to pass that if Jesus had to go through it? No, that is, that is a, a formula. That is a recipe uh, of the sufferings of Christ, the glory to follow. The suffer, there's going to be suffering for us if there's going to be glory to follow. So here, something difficult. Now, these next couple of sentences I want you to pay a couple of atten uh, close attention to. Something difficult has to be endured in order to accomplish something great. That's what this verse is saying. Something difficult has to be endured uh, before you can accomplish something great. And this next sentence or, or statement is just as important as that one. 
But the value of that accomplishment or that reward has to exceed the dread of the suffering. Otherwise, endurance will not happen. Now I'm going to say that again. But the value of that accomplishment or the value of that reward has to exceed the dread or the pain of the suffering, at least in your mind. Otherwise, endurance will not happen. And this is a scriptural principle. We know the principle of whatever a man reaps, he, uh, whatever a man sows, he will also reap. But you know, there's a lot in that statement, even in the physical world, about sowing and reaping. There's a lot of work that goes into that small statement. There's a lot of detail. A, a little bit of uh, context with that, or a little bit of a uh, perspective, comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And let's just look at verse 10. Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. You know, if there's going to be someone out there working, if there's going to be someone out there sweating and laboring and enduring the hardship of that labor, he has to plow in hope. You understand that? He has to plow in hope that there's going to be a result. If he's going to thresh, he's going to have to thresh in hope that he's actually going to get a benefit from all that work, from all that sweat, from all that labor. That mindset has to be there. And I want to suggest to you, without hope, there's no reason to plow. Right? Without hope, there is no reason to thresh. And so if you don't have hope, I want to suggest to you, if there's no picture of a wonderful, great, valuable reward, that endurance will never, ever happen in your life. When we moved to Montana, we're very thankful for Montana, but when we got there, we realized that all the people we had talked to didn't understand the changing economy. And so we had worked up a budget that was not correct. And we learned that very quickly, that uh, if we, with the money that we had coming in and the budget, the, the new corrected budget for the economy there, that we were going to, be uh, in the hole between $500 and $1,000 each month from that point on. And so we understood that we had to do something about it. My wife decided she's going to look around for a little more work. We decided that we we're going to, to try to do a few things to, to make up that difference. And the, more, the longer we were there, but we're excited to do that. Because if you, uh, if you think to yourself, okay, I can fix this situation. I can correct it. You don't mind working, do you? I mean, as a matter of fact, isn't that exciting to realize you can do something about your situation? It's empowering, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And so we decided that we were going to do that. You know, as we were going on, uh, we realized that, you know, even our new budget wasn't exactly right. So uh, as we were working through this, uh, different people started asking us. Paula started cleaning uh, a business. Different people started asking us if we could clean their house because we didn't realize that the man was going up. Um, I guess just without getting, make a long story short, we ended, we ended up um, starting a business instead of just doing a little bit extra. And, um, you know, and every time we were doing this, there were new challenges along the way because we had never started a business before. We didn't have a business plan. You know why? Because we didn't plan to have a business. And so it just all fell together. And, you know, we're making mistakes. I didn't pay enough to the government, so I'm having to pay more. You know, all these things that are going on. And so as we're trying to sort through this, we're like, we're growing, but 
but things are things are kind of tough and when you feel like you're still not making ends meet is all is all the work worth it at that point in your mind if you're working it so we had to rethink things we ended up getting this big big contract that was going to cost some of us even in our family a little bit of sleep but when i did the new budget and by the way that budget's right now okay <laughs> but when i did the new budget i knew at least for a while this big job that was going to cost us some time and maybe make us lose a little bit of sleep and make us more tired. It was actually going to get us towards our goal. And you know what? I was excited to lose a little sleep. I really was excited to be a little more tired because you can do that. It's worth it, isn't it? It's worth the endurance when you can actually meet a goal. But And it changes your whole life. It changes your whole mindset. It makes you go into the work. It makes you go into the labor uh, with excitement when there's hope there, doesn't it? You know, we try to teach that to our kids. You know, and all of our kids have saved up money. Abigail just bought uh, a new car. Well, a new car. Okay, to us it's new. It's like, what, 100 years old. But anyway, you know, uh, but, to, but to us it's new. But she saved up and then she went broke when she went and bought it. But she has a car now. She has something that's good. She has something that's dependable. It was worth the suffering and not buying everything that you want. And you teach your kids that, of course. You know, uh, Lydia, I really appreciate Lydia because she's, I think she's wanting to stay in our area at least for a while. And she's understanding, she's talking to people about how difficult and how expensive it is. And so she's had this goal that she wants to, she wants to build her uh, a duplex. She wants to get a duplex built so she can live in one of them and rent the other one out. And that's how she's going to kind of take care of herself as she works. So uh, I talked to some of my friends and they're like, she needs to get at least $50,000 to do that. So Lydia's been working two and sometimes three when you include the extra job that she does for people in the congregation, getting up early in the morning, getting home late at night. And she, and she she's about halfway there. It hadn't even been that long. She's been working, building her credit. The same thing with this. How many of you think it's exciting to get up early in the morning and then get home at 10 or 11 o'clock at night? Fun! And work the whole time, right? You wouldn't do that. Why in the world would anybody in their right mind do that unless there was a reward that was worth it? And then you imagine it and you consider it and you think about it and it makes the work exciting. Every time you drop a quarter, uh, you know, in the jar, you know, the money comes in the bank. She gets tips from one of her jobs. She she puts that in, in her little piggy bank, for lack of better words. You know, you're just getting a little bit closer. There's excitement in the labor and endurance is, is a wonderful thing. Now, when we start talking about the signs of the time, and I appreciate what a lot of people have said, you know, we are in difficult times. Sometimes we need to step back and say, as has been stated several times, the difficult times are here. It's not just that they're coming. They are here. You know, uh, we have to think to ourselves, and I have to ask myself, when all this craziness is happening with the economy, when all of the, it seems like socialism is just, is just coming in our face without any opposition when we see all the moral decay of our society and people doing crazy things you know abortion is is irrational enough but abortion up to five minutes before a child is born you understand how insane that is you know and then all the the sexual sin that's out there all the perversion how in the world can a nation give up its morals give up it's ability. Remember we talked about just a few minutes ago how exciting it is to realize you can change yourself. They've just given up the ability to be able to help themselves. How can we get there so quickly? And I want to suggest to you that the way the government has been able to do it and those in power is because they have been able 
to take the hope from people. When you take hope from somebody, why in the world would they want to work harder? Why would they want to have personal responsibility when they've been convinced over and over that you'll never make it? I have a relative that just not just a little bit under their budget. And I suggested, well, why don't you, until some things can straighten out, why don't one of you get another job, like 10 hours a week, just a little part-time job? And you wouldn't believe how that was pushed back on me. We don't work more than 40 hours a week. It's been instilled in their mind that it is a shame. It's just ridiculous that anybody would have to work over 40 hours a week to meet their needs. Now, do you understand that they're in shackles because of that mindset? They're in shackles. They can't help themselves. And you don't. if you don't think that that mindset will get them to vote a ridiculous government in, you're wrong. And that's been set. That whole mindset has been there to take away their hope. You can't accomplish your goals anymore. And if you have to work harder, that's not fair. It's not fair to you, for you to have to do that. And so uh, this strips away the idea that really any suffering at all, any extra work, any hardship, any endurance is worthless because there's no reward for enduring it. You work hard, but it's, it's not fair and you can't really make it anyway. And so the idea then is, you know, let us help you. We can help you because you can't help yourself. And anytime, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be positive here, but I want you to understand what's going on. You know, I've done a little research on this. You know, why do you think that countries that have gone to socialism have, have historically um, been very negative towards family? Because you understand that God's, Welfare system is the family. God's way of getting people to be able to get through a difficult time so the family can be together and help one another through it. So, so yes, socialist and communist nations have wanted to destroy the family because you need people to feel like they can't survive without the government. And when families are strong, is that even possible to get people to think that way? No. Same thing about the church. You know, the church sets up... Uh, uh, the, the Lord's church sets up the notion that we are responsible not only for taking care of ourselves, but taking care of our others. As a matter of fact, you take people who are still, let him who still, still no longer. So for what reason? Not only can they take care of their own needs, but what else can they do? Share with others. The church is set up to, to change people, to convert people from thieves to people who can take care of their own needs and then help other people. Is that going to help a communist or a socialist nation? Absolutely not. It's not, you know, so, so they're working to destroy everything. This is the beast. This is the beast that Mr. Hoffman was talking about. You know, the beast who was one of the arms of the dragon. You have to understand the dragon is doing everything he can to keep people from wanting to endure any kind of hardship. Uh, I want to give you what sounds like good news. Did you know the divorce rate is down in the United States? Sounds like good news. Why is it down? Because people aren't getting married. You see, waiting and being patient and being faithful to the Lord during that time, did you understand that's a part of endurance? And it's exciting to endure, to think about that wedding day, to think about the time when um, my faithful search for my spouse we finally get to come together and make our promises to each other and our promises to God, and we get to have that wedding night. And I'm not trying to be gross here, but you understand the picture. We finally wait for the right one so we can do it right and we can do it holy. But you see, our whole society, and this is Satan, why do you need to endure that? Because it is an endurance, isn't it? 
enduring and waiting, patiently waiting to do it right. That's been stripped away. No need for endurance. You know, and by the way, when, when you have young people who are sexually active all the time, did you understand that strips away their hope? What do they have to look forward to? Apostle Paul says, it's not hope if you have it, right? So, so, so why even get married? You understand the nasty cycle of taking away people's mindsets of endurance. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do the false prophet too since you talked about those, Mr. Hoffman. You know, the other arm of the dragon, which is Satan, is the false prophet. You know, when you listen, you know, modern day preaching does not encourage endurance. It doesn't encourage endurance at all because if you're doing things right, wealth, health, everything's good. You know, it's going to be heaven here on earth. Let me tell you, if you have heaven on earth, why in the world would you look forward to heaven for eternity? Takes your mind away from things above and brings it back to things on earth. So I want you to, as I'm getting towards my lesson here and, and, and my point that I'm trying to make is the reason why we are in such tough times and the reason why the signs of the times that are obvious to us are actually working in our nation is because people have no hope. And when people have no hope, there is no chance of endurance. So keeping that in mind, because you know, I'm going to focus on hope today. I'm not going to focus on, I'm not going to focus on getting ready for the, the tough times to come. I'm not really going to focus on making sure you toughen yourself up. I'm going to focus on what actually makes you endurance. All those things are true, by the way. But I want to focus on the things that might make endurance happen more naturally through the help of Christ. So my text is Hebrews chapter 10. I am going to get back to Genesis, I promise you. Like, what in the world? Um, what in the world, Phil? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32. Starting in verse 32, we'll go through the end. But remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which is a great reward, for you have need of endurance." so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and he will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Now, I really only have two points, but I'm going to talk a lot in the middle of those. Uh, two points, but my first one is, is a negative point, is, is a not point. This text is not about reminding the saints that they have to suffer. It really isn't about that. That's not the focus. You might think so when you look at verses 32 and 33. I'll read those again. You might think that. Uh, but remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured such a great conflict of suffering, partly by being made a public uh, spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. You might think the idea here is the, the, the author of Hebrews is trying to say, I told you you were going to suffer. Wait a minute, are you whining? We told you. Don't you remember it happened before? What makes you think it's going to change? And sometimes I've heard this presented that way, even uh, with the other scriptures that talk about, you know, don't act like, don't, don't act surprised when the suffering is coming. That's not the point that the Holy Spirit is trying to make with any of those. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't give us warnings about suffering. A warning is when you get something, you can think about it and probably change some things to avoid it. 
Now you understand that suffering is, is not something that you can change something and do something better and it's not going to happen. Remember, Jesus suffered. You're not going to get out of it if you do things right, okay? So we're not given warnings by the Scripture. More than anything, we're just giving, giving reminders to just know that it's going to happen maybe so that we're not taken off guard. So it's not warning to change our behavior so we're not going to suffer, um, but it's just, just reminding us that it's there. But the Holy Spirit is not trying His best to make us feel bad because we forgot. That's not the point of the Scripture. Because the bottom line is people don't need to be reminded of pain, do they? Sometimes we have to be reminded of our blessings, don't we? But it's, it's really hard sometimes to forget the suffering. It's forget, forget. Sometimes we work really hard helping one another, doing things to help us to forget the pain, don't we? Right. It, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, really, it's really hard. As a matter of fact, I call pain an attention hawk. Pain is an attention hawk. Uh, Josiah, come up here just for a second. I'm going to ask you a question. You can just get closer to me here so the microphone can come on. You can be on the microphone. I ask you this question: How do you feel today? Pretty good. Feeling good. Yeah, Everything good. good. Life good to you. Life's good. Yeah. Not sick. Nope. Feeling good. Feeling good. Ready? No corona hitting you. Not yet. Nothing good. Okay. Good. So he feels good. I right, just I want to put your hand right there. Okay. Just put it there. Okay. <laughs> okay, Josiah, how are you doing? I feel betrayed. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question there. When I ask you a while ago, how are you doing, how are you feeling? Everything else is exactly the same as it was, except what? My hand. Well, not even your whole hand. That little bitty plate. Oh, that left a wet bit. <laughs> That little bitty place. It's pretty big. Okay, that big place. I'll be easy if I do that again. But really, that's all that's changed. But I'm going to tell you, what, what is your mind on right this second? My hand. Why is it not on the 99.9% .9 of everything else that's wonderful about you? Because it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> do you understand that pain is an attention hawk? I mean, suffering is an attention hawk. Stay here just for a second. It, 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 it really is. You know, you think about this. What about relationships? whether it's friendships or marriages, do you know that marriages often break up when they have 95% good times, but then they have one explosion and they'll forget the good month that they had and the good things, but there's one big argument and everybody gets mad and they're ready to end it. Isn't it interesting how pain is an attention hall? It really, you don't have to remind one another of the pain. And pain also leaves an impression. Just so you put your hand up here again. Do I have to? <laughs> you mean you don't want to? Not really. What? Pain leaves an impression, doesn't it? Yeah. And sometimes a purple it, one. Yeah, a purple <laughs> Okay. <laughs> don't call social service. Well, you're 18. I don't care. Uh, it makes you not want to do it again, right? Yeah. It makes you not want to do the activity again, right? Yeah. Oh, why don't you go sit down? Okay. Give him a hand. <laughs> hey, Chloe. Chloe, could you come up here? I want you to put your hand right there. Do you want to do it? Oh, no, but you don't want to, do you? No. Okay. Let me tell you why. I did this point. I'm going to send you back down. Uh, pain, your pain, when you express it, leaves an impression on other people too, doesn't it? You know, she didn't want to do that. She just saw what I did to him. <laughs> you know, go sit down. Go sit down. Give her a hand too.
So that pain, pain leaves an impression. You don't have to remind people of suffering. You don't have to remind them. People understand that concept. And it sticks with them. Even the early Christians, you know, the writer here wasn't trying to remind them. Don't you remember when you used to have to suffer so much? You know, that, that's not what's going on here. Only a sick person would enjoy endurance for the sake of endurance. And there are people who out there enjoy pain. Those are medical conditions. Maybe only, a, if they're not sick, maybe an arrogant person would enjoy the pain. You remember uh, remember Barney Fife on the Andy Griffith show? He was, he was always telling people, yeah, just hit me right here. I'm silent. Oopie, come here. Hit me right in the gut. Well, I don't want to hurt you, Barney. Just do it. I can take it. You know, I'm, I'm like a wall. And then he gets hit. He's like, ooh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But you know, sometimes arrogant people trying to prove themselves, right? Maybe they might enjoy a little, a little suffering. Uh, um, maybe somebody with low self-esteem where they feel like they can't prove themselves any other way. Uh, sometimes people with maybe are trying to prove themselves religiously. You know, there, there are certain people who, who have hurt themselves, certain orders of religious faith that have done self-pain you know, just to somehow know to prove something. But man, to suffer just for suffering's sake, to endure just for endurance's sake, there's something wrong either mentally or spiritually with anyone who would do that when there's no goal, when there's no Reward, you know, we read about Jacob earlier. Turn back to that, Genesis 29. Genesis 29, uh, let's, just, let's just start back in, in verse 1. It's just good stuff here. I'll try to read fast here, but I want you to get the picture. Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the sons of the east and he looked and saw a well in the field and behold, three flocks of sheep were lying there beside it and from that well they, they watered the flocks. Now the stone of the mouth of the well was large and when all the flocks were gathered there, they would then roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put some stone back in its place in the mouth, uh, on the mouth of the well. And Jacob said to them, my brothers, where are you from? And they said, we are from Haran. And he said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. And he said to them, it is, is it well with him? And they said, it is well. And here is Rachel, his daughter, coming with us, uh, coming with the sheep. And he said, behold, is it still high day? Is it not time for the livestock to be gathered? Water the sheep and go, pasture them. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered. And they rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and in the water of the sheep. And while I was still speaking with them, Rachel came up. Oh. I mean, you just see this beautiful story come together. You know, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, uh, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went and rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And then Jacob kissed Rachel. Boy, I'm not even that fast. You know, <laughs> we'll find out a little bit later. He kisses other people too, you know, but it's, uh, but, you know, I just like, whoa, when I first read that. And he kissed Rachel and lifted, lifted his voice and wept. You see the emotion here? Do you see, you see the, the, um, the deep feelings here? Uh, Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and that he was uh, Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. So when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him. That's why I said, you know, there's a lot of that going on. And I uh, brought him uh, to his house. Uh, then he related to Laban all these things. So Laban uh, said to him, surely you're my bone and, and my flesh, and he stayed with him a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah and the... Leah, I'm in Star Wars mode. Leah. And uh, <laughs> the name of the younger one was Rachel. 
and, uh, and Leah's uh, eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful of form and face. Now, Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for your young younger daughter, Rachel. Stop here just for a second. I brought this up for a purpose. Seven years. It's one thing to court for maybe a year. That's tough sometimes. Or maybe two years. It's tough, you know, when there's that expectation, when there's that love. Can you imagine courting for seven years? And can you imagine not just that, but engaging in hard labor, work for a girl that you're not even going to, to be able to be with for seven years. You understand, that might seem ridiculous, and maybe it seems ridiculous because we don't understand love anymore. Maybe people don't get love anymore. Love is worth that, isn't it? It has to be. It's worth it. So, uh, verse 18 again, uh, Jacob served, uh, uh, Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I uh, give uh, her to you than to give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and I love this, and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. And I want to set up a principle here that I want you to see throughout the rest of the lesson. Some people say, it's tough being a Christian. You're just going to have to deal with it. Don't complain about it. it's tough and that's just the way it is. But you know, it's interesting when someone has a goal, even that which is difficult. You know, the Bible talks about suffering being difficult. It talks about how it's hard. But I just think that's an interesting principle here that you might even see in the life of Jesus as we continue here, that when your goal is a valuable goal, when your goal is a noble goal, labor and endurance can seem like a blessing, can it? Sometimes we got to change our perspective. Seems like the apostles would say things that it was a privilege and honor to suffer for Christ and to suffer the way that he did. How can you think that way? You can think that way when you see this picture of Jacob. He served, he served seven years and it, it didn't seem like anything because he loved her so much. Now I tell you, that's a different picture of endurance. That is endurance, isn't it? That's Sometimes we see endurance as just such a hard thing, a tough thing. We've got to toughen up. we just got to get our mindset. You know, we, we, it, it is a battle being a Christian. But it, if, if you don't fight the battle right, you become battle-hardened. Yep. If, if you fight the Christian battle right and correctly, you might be tough-minded, but you've heard me to say it, it creates a tender heart. That's when you fight. When you're fighting the battle correctly, you never become battle-hardened. And he didn't. Even in the midst of deception, the reason I'm saying this, letting you know, suffering for the sake of suffering, he didn't even get what he was supposed to get. You know, you keep reading, there's treachery. The head in your mind says Laban's treachery. Man, treachery seems like a weak word there. You know, you know, yes, you can have her. Let's all wrap her up so you can't see her. You know our tradition. Let's wrap her up. Have the wedding ceremony. Wait till it start. Get her in there. Have a fun night. And it says, I like the way it says that. As it says, it says in here, oh, um, go into her. Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, verse 25. So it came about in the morning. Behold, it was it was Leah. I love that. Behold! You know, you think about angels appearing in the sky, you know, going out to the shepherd. Behold! You know, there you go. But man, this was the, uh, that's how surprising it was. You know, it was just as surprising as the angels in the sky coming to the shepherd. You're not Rachel, you know. And, and then he went and he said, what treachery have you done? You understand that this is, 
He must have felt, I did all that work for nothing. You understand the frustration of labor and endurance when there's no hope associated with it. But he loved her so much, he was like, um, Laban was like, I tell you what, I'll make you a deal. You, 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 stay, you stay with uh, uh, Leah for the next week and I'll, I'll give you Rachel, but you got to work seven more years. He did it, didn't he? He, but uh, just think about that. You know, uh, I've got so many more things here. I don't want to run run too many uh, too much into my time. But the point is, this scripture back to uh, Hebrews ten. This scripture is not talking about reminding Christians of their pain. They're not going to forget the pain. It's not trying to make them feel guilty. Oh, you thought you thought? Oh, I beg your. Who, who was the Rose Garden guy? Who said that? Yeah. You know, the army didn't say that, but you know what else? Jesus didn't say it either, did he? I beg your pardon, I didn't promise you a rose garden. But that's not what it's trying to say here. It's not trying to say, you wimps, you signed up for this. That's not the point. The point here that I want you to understand is they were being reminded of the endurance that they had and the good attitudes that they had at the beginning when they hadn't forgotten their hope. You hear that? They're being reminded, yes, not of the suffering, but do you remember what, what you did with that suffering and how you didn't complain and how you moved forward and how you did what you were supposed to do because, because you really had some hope at that time. Um, just I'll come back up here just for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Come back up. I want to whisper something in your ear. Hey, Josiah, you gonna put your hand up there? No, no. Why not? I don't want to get hurt again. But I just told you it's a secret. All right, go sit down and think about it. Chloe, come up here. I got a secret for you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not joking. <laughs> now I want you to, I want you to, you know she's smiling? Is this, is this exciting to you? I mean, really, is, is this an exciting prospect? Are you sure? You happy? Yeah. Why are you happy? I'm about to hurt you. Okay. Not too bad. I didn't do it as bad. As but let me tell you what I told Josiah. Stay right here. I told Josiah, Josiah, let me do it again, and I'll give you a dollar. Was it worth a dollar? No. Okay, let me tell you what I told Chloe. I said, Chloe, if you do this right here, right now, with a smile on your face, I'll give you a $10 bill. <laughs> All right. There you go. Give her a hand. You see, look at our text again. We read 32 and 33 about the reproaches and the tribulations. Let's start in verse 34. It says, For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. You know, they had some endurance. Just go down the list here. It said endurance of suffering. There was conflict. There was they were a public spectacle. They were reproaches. They had tribulations. And not only that, even when they weren't doing anything, 
just their association with those who were doing things and, and that were getting you know, persecuted. They were sharing in that. They had the seizure of their property, but they did all this how? What's the word? Joyfully. You see, you got to understand this. You know, endurance, if it's going to last, and if it's going to, if, it, if it's going to make it, you're going to be effective, and it's going to press forward and not end and not and not um, come to a screeching halt or get or get old to where you kind of fade out. It's going to have to be joyful endurance. It's the only way it's going to make it. Only way it's going to happen. You know, we talk about uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says that's that's true. That's true. But here's the thing: the Bible talks about that that fear. Brings about what? Hebrews chapter 2. Fear of death in particular. At least the slavery, doesn't it? You have to understand that long-term fear leads to a sense of slavery, even if it's fear of the Lord. I want you to follow that. Long-term fear leads to a slavery mindset. You can't serve the Lord forever just because you're scared of him. Or just because you respect it. That's why the Bible, John says, you know, that, that, that what cast out all fear? Perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves judgment. Fear involves punishment. And that's where you got to start, okay? Is, is understanding who God is, understanding your respect and your honor for him, but also understanding what judgment is, you know? That moves you along. But you will never be who you can for the Lord if your main focus in your search of the Lord is fear. Never be there. It's got to convert to love. Now, I'm going to tell you this. When it comes to endurance, you might have to start with just saying, I am determined. No matter what, no matter how hard it is, I'm going to, I am tough. I am rough. And I'm going to show Satan. I'm going to show this world. I'm going to show every liberal politician. I will not put a mask on. And whatever. You, know. you, can, you can do that as long as you want to, but I'm going to tell you, you'll get tired of it. It's not going to last. It is not going to last. We need that at first. We need to get motivated. We need to get built, uh, pumped up. We need to get that kind of stuff. But if it doesn't switch, if our battle is not exclusively, and you know what I mean by this, it does have fingers in the physical realm. If our battle is not nearly exclusively in the spiritual realm, and we start expressing in anger in the physical realm, we will get battle hardened, and you're not going to do anything joyfully right. at that time. Amen. Nothing joyful. You know, the true battle might express itself in the spiritual realm with the sword of the spirit, with the shield, you know, the, with the shield of faith, with all the armor, you know, with sweat, with blood spiritually. And you know how it might express itself in the physical realm? Going to your enemy and saying, I forgive you. You know, I mean, there's harsh battles in the spiritual realm. But it has to express itself in forgiving your enemy. That's just an example. You see what I'm saying? If it's not like that, there's not going to be anything joyful. You'll become battle-hardened. And the joy of the Lord won't be your strength, your determination, your independent attitude of nobody's going to tell me what what I'm going to do, a self-centeredness of I am independent, I'm going to make my decisions, can turn into something that's not going to be very productive for the Lord. Man, can you, I brought up Jacob, can you imagine how frustrated, 
I've put myself in that position so many times. Can you imagine how frustrating that whole situation must have been? And then having to work seven years and having to live. I mean, don't raise your hand. How many of you have in-law issues? You don't have in-law issues. <laughs> Jacob had in-law issues. <laughs> can, can you imagine that? But just the frustration of it. But you know what? He loved her so much that he endured. You see, he joyfully endured. And, and this, this whole deception caused even more problems. You got two wives, and you got, you're going to have problems, you know? Because that's not the way the Lord designed it. And so there all kinds of things happen. But he did it because, and here's the thing, why did he do it? Not because he liked endurance. He did not like working for Laban, okay? He didn't, he didn't like that. He didn't do it for the sake of endurance. I'm going to be tough. I'm going to do, no. He wasn't thinking about work all day. Guess who he was thinking about? Amen. Rachel. Right. He was thinking about Rachel all day. Endurance was not his goal. Rachel was. If he spent each day thinking about what he must endure, he might not have even made it. He might would have thought, I think when I read it, man, just go find it. There's more fish in the sea, man. You know, it's not worth it, you know? Uh, uh, I wouldn't think that about you, darling. Uh, now, if he was after Paul, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I understand. But, but my point is, he was thinking about Rachel. You see, remember, people don't, people don't forget pain. You don't have to remind them about the pain. You know, one of the reasons why you know, the whole abortion thing, I've heard people talk about how I don't want to put my body through that. I've heard that being said. I don't want to put my body through the difficulty. I don't want to put my body through the pain. I don't want to have to change my lifestyle to take care of an infant. It is hard. It, I don't know about the giving birth to a baby. I can tell by Paul's face that it wasn't pleasant. But I do know I have participated in the raising them in the young way, you know, as they're younger. Yet, but, but you see, people who have their mindset straight and they're going to do the right thing. Uh, just be honest. Maybe I'm asked, I, I, I should have prepared this question, but maybe it's wrong. But how many of you, when you're ladies, after you had the baby, when you're holding that baby in your arm, you're just focused on how bad it hurt? Or are you very excited that you have a baby? It's just exciting. The goal, I mean, why do women keep having babies? Because it's worth it. Do you understand that? It's worth it. It's worth going through raising a child. It's worth going through the teenage years. By the way, don't, how many people told me, wait till they're teenagers? Please don't say that to people. Amen. Please do not say that to people. It's just, I mean, there's difficult times. There's difficult times when you're an adult. You know, you get through it with joy. It's, it's been wonderful years for us. But, but even the, the difficult times, it's okay because we're going for a goal. I think about, I think about a marriage. You know, um, even though it is going to be difficult times and we need to prepare our children for it, I'm not going to sit, as my children are preparing for marriage, I'm not going to say, okay, this is our weekly talk about how tough it's going to be. You know, because the goal was getting is, is to get married. The goal is to, to be one with, with, with that, with your spouse. The goal is to have a happy marriage. The same thing I said there, you know, uh, when marriage is having troubles, I try to help people. I say this to couples. In your mind, what is the picture of the perfect marriage that you think, the marriage that you think God would say is perfect? I so I want you to have that as your goal and that is your mindset and how wonderful it can be rather than how hard it is now. You see, one of the reasons married couples give up or one or both of them give up is they're focused on the endurance, what they're going to have to endure rather than how wonderful God can make it when you do it his way. 
Right. You see, you see the problem with focusing on endurance. It makes you battle hardened. And I've seen married couples say, "We've tried, we've tried, and I'm, I just can't try anymore." That's battle hardened. That's what that is. Instead of focusing on the goal, I think about Bible studies. A lot of times when people think about Bible studies, the reason that they hesitate is because of bad experiences and, and, and rejections and troubles. Focusing on the endurance, but not focusing on that time when, he, when, when they're buried in the likeness of Christ and raised to walk in a newness of life. You focus on that, you endure. You endure the, 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 the tough things. Helping people. You know, I heard someone say, a lot of people don't evangelize because it's easier to, to stick with people in the church and work with them. I'm like, have you ever met church people? <laughs> I've had much more trouble with church folks than I have with people that are, that are outside of Christ. I'm just going to tell you, it is. And, and the people, when they try to help and they try to encourage and they get hurt, they'll start saying things like that. Um, they'll start saying things like, uh, 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 I can't remember the phrase that someone told me one time, but it was, it was basically the idea that there's always a price to pay for a good deed. They get that mindset. And when you get that mindset, there's always a heavy price to pay when you do a good deed. You know, those people keep backing up because it hurts. You see, and yes, Christians hurt other Christians. But if you want to continue to do what's right, your focus can't be on all the people that hurt you. Your focus is going to be helping people to, to, to come to maturity, to make it to glory, because if your goal is this and not that... There's a problem. And it's going, that's, why does the Bible say endure one another? You know, uh, bear with one another. Because you're difficult. <laughs> I'm difficult. You bear with me. You understand the picture that God is saying? you got to have the end picture of helping people make it to glory so that you can with joy endure it. You know, th that's the only way that it's going to make it. You know, uh, Jesus' goal. You know, remember what I read from 1 Peter, you know, the prophecy that spoke of the sufferings of Christ and the glory to follow. Jesus' goal, ultimately, was not to suffer. Jesus wanted to go to glory, didn't he? Isn't that what he prayed in John 17? Yeah. Father, I desire to have the glory that I have with you before the world began. He wanted to go back. And so he willingly went to the cross. You might say, no, if he said, Father, this cup passed for me. Yeah, it was tough. But one of my favorite prophecies from Jesus actually is in Hebrews 10 here as well. Why don't you back up? Yeah. Back up to, let's just read verses 7 and 8. Now, let's read 7, 8, 9. Then I said, Behold, I have come, and the scroll of the book it is written to do your will, O God. After saying above sacrifices and whole born offerings and sacrifices for sins you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law, then he said, Behold, I come to do your will. I would, I'm here to do it, Lord. I want to do your will. By the way, when you pray, that's a good prayer. Lord, I'm here to do your will. Yep. Man, I have come. We're having the mindset of Jesus. His goal was glory. His goal was not the endurance, but his goal made him endure. And that same thing is going to be true for us. You see, they were not just reminded of their past pain. They were reminded of the past glory that they shared and they demonstrated through their pain. So in the midst of this, you suffered, but you, you did it. You, you showed sympathy to people. You shared in their suffering when you were associated with them. You know, you know, 
they punished you because who you were friends with, basically, or who you shared and uh, in, in their ability. But you did it with great joy. Why? Because look at our text again. Um, look at the verse of 34. Knowing that you have yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. That, that was their goal. And this is what he said. And look at verse 35. Therefore, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. See, you can't have joy in your, in your endurance unless you're confident about something. They were so confident that they were going to make it that they smiled while they did. They're like Paul and Silas in jail. I heard somebody about, I, you get made fun of a lot today. You've been brought up, Miss Amy. You were saying, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. I heard you back there. Nobody knows but Jesus. Do you really think Paul and Silas were singing that in the Ephesian jail? Nobody knows. It's so terrible. No, they were singing praises to God. They were able to do that because they had confidence it wasn't this strong, tough-minded, uh, uh, you're not going to tell me no matter what you do to me, man, I'll show you I'm going to be tough. No, they were singing praises to the Lord because they hadn't become battle-hardened and they were focused. They had confidence that the Lord was going to do it. And that's why your verse here, uh, the, the Hebrews 10, 36 there, the author here says, for you have need of endurance. And he wasn't saying go get endurance because you can't just go get it. Go get endurance. There's some processes there. The Bible talks about, you know, tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance brings about proven character. Proven character brings about hope, and hope doesn't disappoint. And by the way, when you get to that point, even a little bit, even for a slight moment, when you have hope, it starts circling back around, and, and, that, uh, and that endurance builds from that as well. It really does, because it's joyful endurance at that point. So, so you're saying you need endurance. And if you're going to get it, keep reading the verse there. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Man, you focus on the promise. Right. You focus on the promise, not the endurance. Yeah. And when you focus on the promise, endurance comes and Paul says you need it. I mean, I keep saying Paul. The author of, of Hebrews here is saying that you need it. So it's better to good. It's really good to focus on the promises. We sing standing on the promises. Do you sing? You, you know that song? Let's sing the chorus together. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Do you ever take time to think about what they are when you sing that? Or is it just a cool song? It is a cool song. Yell it out. Name some of the promises that we have. Because if you don't think about this, you're not going to have endurance. No more tears. No more tears. I like no that song too. Pain. I like that song too, but we can't sing all day. Yeah. No more, no more tears. That's right. What are some of the other promises of God? Victory. Victory. That's right. And that's in this life as well. Not just, you know, well, the Apostle Paul did say, if in, this, if in this life only we have hope in Jesus Christ, and sometimes we, we forget that. That means we have hope in Christ in this life too. Just not only, you know, so it's not just there, it's here too. We just can't make that be our only hope, you know. Right. Any other thing? What were some of the promises? Crown of glory. Crown of glory. Name another one. Resurrected body. That is the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When the Bible says hope, that's what we're talking about. If there's no other specifics, they can, you know, uh, in, the, when, in the end, you're going to win. They can put your body in the ground if they can't keep it there. Okay, what else? Holy Holy, oh, I love the Holy Spirit. Yep. New family, new identity, absolutely. Sister, family, what else? Name it, yell it. New body. No pain, no tears. Anything else? What's that? Dog pile, heard that. That's right, excitement. There's going to be eternal joy and bliss. What else? 
All things are in you. Never leave me. Never forsake me. Yep. Oh, man. Oh, think of the friends over there. Isn't that a great song? Yeah, absolutely. All those things. Friends. Life here and life after. Life here and life after. Yeah, because life abundant here, life eternal after. Yep. Mind of Christ. Mind the Christ. Absolutely. We can think like God thinks, can't we? It's awesome. Now listen. Is that worth enduring these present times? Is that worth staying strong with all of the fruit of the Spirit intact, including gentleness? Is that worth that? Is it worth staying strong and joyfully sharing in these things? It certainly is. See, that's what Jesus did. We've already been to Hebrews 12. We heard turn there again. Hebrews 12, you have to understand this. Starting in verse 1, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, there's that word, isn't it? Endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy set before him? I'm looking at it right now. You were the joy that was set before him. And he endured the cross. He, you have to understand endurance and perseverance doesn't always have to do with physical fighting and violence. As a matter of fact, Jesus stopped Peter from doing it. Come down, Peter. Come down, man. This is not how it's going to go. You know, because Peter was not. Peter was focused on the moment. He was focused on the endurance, wasn't he? We got to get through this. And so the only thing I can figure out is a sword. You know, that's the only thing I can figure out right now. You know, and I've told people this before. You understand that Peter was not aiming for the ear. That's crazy. He was going to kill the guy. I want you to process what was really going on in this situation. But see, see, Jesus, Jesus endured the cross. He didn't fight it. He endured. The, but you see, enduring is a part of fighting. We just don't see that. He fought. He fought himself. He fought the devil. He was fighting so that he could endure it, but it was worth it because he had his eyes on his bride, just like Jacob. He had his eyes on his bride, and he was glad to do it. Now, here's the thing. We keep reading, well, right there in that text. The joy set before him is us. And the joy set before us is him. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The joy set before us is him. And when we understand that, look at verse three, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners and against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you know what grow weary and lose heart means? It's the opposite of endurance. You check what he did because he, he, he loved you so much. He was focused on you. And this is what you can do when you love him so much and you're focused on him. It's going to make you joyfully accept these things. It's going to make you not do it just because you feel like you have to and it's so hard and you become battle-hardened that actually that's what Satan wants is going to turn you away. I think that's what was happening to the Hebrew Christians here. He's like, like you have need of endurance. Remember like you used to have? When you had the right focus, when you remembered the, the good things that were happening that you weren't so distracted by the pains that you had. See, you need to go back to that. You have need of endurance so that you can get this thing you used to look forward to. Because he's coming. And when you walk in faith, by the way, you're not going to believe the sin on the promises of God unless you believe that he's faithful. 
That's why it says, you know, but my righteous one shall live by faith there in verse 38. You see, you live by faith and you focus on the goal. Endurance will happen. It will happen and it will be joyful. It will not be ugly. It will be beautiful. It will be the kind of endurance that, that caused Jesus to stay on the cross. And you know what? One of the immediate, the end result will be glory in heaven. But let me tell you what the immediate result will be. Verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink away to destruction, but of those who have faith to preserving the soul. Look, what's going to happen right now? is when you keep your eyes on the goal and you keep your eyes on the one who, who, whose love for you made him endure the cross, your love for you will help you not to shrink back. You'll stand firm in the faith, true against all three things, the, the beast, the dragon, the false prophet that Mr. Hoffman talked about twice in his lessons. You know, uh, you know we're going to remember that. You know, you're not going to shrink back. And that's what's going to preserve our soul. My prayer is that we remember two things this morning from this lesson. We remember Jacob, who loved Rachel so much that seven years, or maybe even the other seven years, I don't know, didn't say it there, but it seemed like a just seemed like a few a few days, a few moments, because he loved her so much. Do you understand how short a life our life is just a vapor? When we understand and we love the Lord that much, maybe it'll seem a little bit more like a vapor because I want it to seem like a vapor. I'm ready to get there. So remember him and remember Jesus who endured so much, saying, with, saying prophetically with such great conviction, I come to do your will because he loved us so much. We were his joy. That's going to be the endurance that continues and doesn't fade away. Thank you. Amen. I'm just going to hand this to you. I'm dropping it all over the place. Thank you.